The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Thanks for being part of the Jerusalem Channel. We want to be a link and lifeline between you and the land of Israel, focusing on prophetic and biblical insights of what's happening today. It's through the support of our viewers that we can continue to bless Israel through our media programs. Please consider making a monthly or one-time donation to keep Jerusalem Channel a voice of truth in the web wilderness. You can make a debit or a credit card gift through our website, the Jerusalem Channel app, or by mail. Help us to be a voice for Israel to a global audience. From the long list of atrocities against the Jews over the past 2,000 years, we see tragically our churches have never fully understood that the Jewish people must be protected. A few theologians and men of God throughout church history have had the foresight to see that God would be faithful to restore Israel. But for the most part, the world of Christianity rejected the Jews as God's covenant people. But now, more than ever, the church must comprehend the unique time in which we're privileged to live. It's the set time, according to Psalm 102, 13, when God favors Zion and he favors the restoration of Israel. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. Our churches today are in great need of another reformation. Demands for exorcism in the Catholic Church are on the rise amid a resurgence of interest in the occult. In the United States, according to the latest edition of The Atlantic Magazine, priests are fielding more requests for exorcisms. Father Vincent Lampert, an exorcist in the city of Indianapolis, told the magazine that he has received 1,700 phone or email requests for exorcisms this year, by far the most he's ever received in a single year. Several other priests reported that without support from their staff and volunteers, exorcisms would quickly swallow up their entire week. Thankfully, during the Reformation 500 years ago, much biblical ground was recovered, such as the doctrine of sola scriptura, the complete reliance on scripture, as well as sola fide, the belief that faith in Jesus is the way to obtain God's pardon for sin. However, a lot of ground is being lost again because the churches are not teaching sound doctrine. Leaders tend to offer up user-friendly, feel-good messages. And the last thing many pastors want to teach is that God is restoring Israel at this time. That message, although biblically correct, just isn't politically correct. Many pastors sidestep or fail to educate their congregations on Bible prophecies that are being fulfilled right before our eyes because these pastors want to avoid the gloom and doom of eschatology, the study of end times. They prefer to try to cater to the younger generation. They refuse to touch Israel in Bible prophecy because, as one pastor explained, 
They don't study and understand Bible prophecy in the first place. And secondly, perhaps the real reason is, shamefully, they're simply afraid of scaring away people and losing offerings. On top of it all, the so-called emergent church prefers to link up with Rome rather than with God's eternal city, Jerusalem. Tragically, one of the most prominent leaders in the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, woefully engaged in virulent anti-Semitism towards the end of his life. His shocking anti-Semitism helped to plant seeds for the Nazi Holocaust. And so our ministry took a prayer team to parts of Europe where the Protestant Reformation flourished. Our mission was to pray and to believe God for an ongoing reformation for the church to rid itself of the error of replacement theology known as supersessionism. Replacement theology maintains that the church has succeeded the Israelites as the definitive people of God. But that's a lie. What does the Bible, in fact, actually teach? The New Testament teaches that God is not finished with the Jewish people, that in the last days, all of Israel will be saved and grafted back into the olive tree of God. This will take place when the fullness of the Gentiles from all the nations has been received into the true church of born-again believers called the body of Messiah. And that's the teaching of Romans 9, 10, and 11 and other scriptures. Right now, you and I are living in a unique period of grace that's overlapping the end of the church age and the rising again of Israel. What a glorious and unique time to be watchmen on these walls. I've said many times, and it bears repeating, because the church still hasn't comprehended it, that the prophecy of Simeon in Luke chapter 2 is coming to pass right before our eyes. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would see the Messiah before dying. So Simeon came by the Spirit into the temple just as Mary and Joseph were presenting the baby Jesus and, as required by Torah, offering a sacrifice. Intuitively, Simeon recognized the Messiah in Mary's child. You see, the Spirit of Revelation is an amazing thing. It enabled his faith not to be shaken by the sight of a mere infant rather than seeing a grandiose king or a super warrior. Simeon took the messianic baby in his arms and praised God, prophesying that Jesus was a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. You see, salvation is intended by God for all people, for Gentiles as well as Jews, and the destiny of multitudes often depends upon the obedience of a single individual in this case, the life of Jesus as the Lamb of God. In a few short sentences, Simeon dramatically prophesied the history of Israel. He prophesied this child is destined to cause the falling and rising again of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And Simeon warned Mary that the child Emmanuel was to be a sign, but the sign would not win acceptance. 
The destiny of Jesus was to endure the contradiction of sinners, to be a rock of offense, to go to the cross on behalf of sinners. Simeon spoke like the prophet Isaiah, and no doubt he had in mind Isaiah 8, verses 14 to 15, which prophesied concerning the Messiah that he shall become a sanctuary, but a rock to stumble over. Yet, Simeon also spoke good news. He also foresaw that the Jewish people would rise again. What a revelation! In Romans 11, 11, Paul asked, Did the Jewish people stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all, he said. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Amen. Well, my friend Bob O'Dell, co-founder of Root Source, pointed out that the phrase rising again in this verse is Anastasius, resurrection. So Simeon literally said, this Holy One is set for the fall and resurrection of many in Israel. And we're watching the resurrection of Israel in our lifetime. If only the church could fully comprehend the great resurrection miracle that's happening in the Holy Land. But sadly, the church is missing this. Key prophetic events related to the resurrected state of Israel have already happened. And our churches must recognize and not oppose this wonderful phenomenon. What a shame and missed opportunity that the universal church is not celebrating reborn Israel's milestones and rejoicing in the faithfulness of God. Many of these milestones, 40 years of peace with Egypt, 50 years of a united Jerusalem, 70 years of statehood, and 120 years since the first Zionist Congress, all of these milestones are considered by theologians to be the lifespan of a generation in varying degrees. And Jesus said in his Olivet Discourse that the generation witnessing the restoration of the fig tree Israel will also see his second coming. So it's a new day and a new chapter for the Jewish people. And I believe Israel and the real remnant church will come together as the people of the book before Jesus returns. Meanwhile, the Bible is absolutely coming alive in the city of David in Jerusalem. Stunning archaeological discoveries are continually being uncovered. Recently, another rare and unusual find was unearthed in Jerusalem, a tiny stone called a half-shekel weight, dating back to the first temple of King Solomon. According to the City of David Foundation, the weight was found near Robinson's Arch at the Western Wall. The 3,000-year-old discovery has the word Becca in ancient Hebrew script and was used as a weight to measure a half-shekel donation to maintain the first temple. The Arabs are constantly trying to rewrite history to say unbelievably that the Jews never even had a temple in Jerusalem. But the procedure for the temple tax is precisely described in Exodus, verse 26. Let's look at how the Bible documents archaeology because I'm going to read that verse. It says, This tax was collected from each man registered in the census 
The tax was one becca, which is half a shekel, based on the sanctuary shekel. The verse also says that the tax was collected from more than 600,000 men who had reached their 20th birthday. My Facebook friend, archaeologist Ellie Shukran, conducted the excavations on behalf of Israel's Antiquities Authority. His photographs of the Bible coming to life were always fascinating, and Ellie explained that when the half-shekel tax was brought to the temple during the first temple period, there were no coins, so the people used pieces of silver. And to calculate the weight of these silver pieces, the silver would be placed on one side of the scales, and they placed the becca weight on the other side. I think it's also important to tell the world that Israeli medical startups are continually developing revolutionary new technology to eliminate cancer cells. Israeli researchers now say that they can reprogram cancer cells back to their pre-cancer state. A group of researchers from Israel's Ben-Gurion University of the Negev have developed a new molecule that they claim inhibits the growth of cancer and that reprograms cells to behave as normal. So much good is happening in Israel's humanitarian efforts all over the world as well. While Bible believers certainly can't naively condone all the policies of a secular Jewish state, we must recognize that many Bible prophecies are being fulfilled about the restoration of the Jewish people to their homeland. And any church that fights against Israel's existence is fighting against the God of Israel himself. Because Israel is still a secular state and allows abortions and other anti-biblical practices, many churchgoers self-righteously point fingers at Israel and claim that God could not possibly be associated with the modern state of Israel. Israel's enemies continually try to paint the Israelis as criminals, when in fact, the Israel army goes to great lengths and expense to warn civilians to steer clear during warfare. Today's justice-oriented younger generation see Palestinian Arabs as victims, yet haters of Zion simply don't comprehend that God said he would bring the Jewish people back to their own land before their spiritual revival. So if you resent or despise Israel, your argument really is with God Almighty and not with the Jews. God is busy fulfilling prophecy in our lifetime, and he expects all Bible believers to sit up and take notice. That's one reason why we go to the effort three times a year to bring visitors to see for themselves Bible prophecies coming alive. Many persons stumble over seeing Israel from God's perspective because they expect their own ideas about politics and social justice to be met. But the Bible teaches that only after the Jewish people are resettled in their own land will they experience revival. Prophetic scripture is clear that a time of cleansing, repentance, and revival for Israel comes after the Ezekiel War, prophesied in Ezekiel chapters 38 and 39, and after the Holy Spirit outpouring that's described in Zechariah 12 and 13. Watchmen on the walls must get involved with what God is doing and make sure that we are supporting churches and organizations 
that understand the times and Bible prophecy and that don't oppose the Jewish state. This is because entire denominations have tragically engaged in the boycott, divest, and sanction movement against Israel known as BDS, which aims to harm Israel economically. Yet many Palestinians earn good wages from the Israelis. And so Palestinians themselves are hurt by BDS. The shocking anti-Semitism which has re-emerged, history repeating itself, is driving the Jewish people home to Israel. Although the Mosaic Covenant has been overtaken by what the New Testament calls a better covenant, which is the new covenant introduced in the Hebrew Scriptures, nevertheless, the land covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob relating to ownership of the promised land is unaffected. It's never been annulled. That's why we're literally seeing the ingathering of exiles even now, the return of the so-called lost tribes, and the rabbinic sages have associated the return of all of these tribes with the concept of the coming of the Messiah. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote that the ten tribes are beyond the Euphrates till now, and they are an immense multitude. In the early 1600s, a Jesuit missionary, Matteo Risi, discovered a small Jewish community consisting of just 10 to 12 families of Chinese Jews in Kaifeng, China, known today as the Kaifeng Jews. One of my mentors in Jerusalem, Lance Lambert of Blessed Memory, was always immensely interested in China, and he used to talk in his prophecy updates about the return of the tribes from the east to Israel. Lance would say, it's just like the Lord in the midst of all the storms and crisis over Israel and the Middle East to cause a ray of glorious light to shine through the gathering storm clouds in the midst of the darkness and gloom the huge growth of anti-Semitism in the West, and particularly in Europe, by the grace of God, a miracle is taking place. One of the genuinely lost tribes of Israel, the tribe of Manasseh, exiled by the Assyrians in 722 B.C., is coming home after more than 2,700 years of exile. And our friend Michael Froon, who speaks at our conferences from time to time, is known as the Indiana Jones of the Lost Tribes of Israel. Michael searches for them the world over and brings them home. It's always fascinating to see the Lost Tribes landing and being welcomed again at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. Groups which claim descent from the tribes include the B'nai Israel, whose ancestors, after centuries of traveling through Western Asia from Israel, migrated to India. Slowly, they assimilated into the surrounding community, but they also maintained certain Jewish traditions. Since the late 20th century, the B'nai Manasseh claim they are lost Israelites and have been studying Hebrew and Judaism. They live in India's northeastern states of Mizram and Manipur. Then there are the Beta Israel, Ethiopian Jews, who were also called Falashas in the past. Some members of the Beta Israel, as well as several Jewish scholars, 
believe that they are descended from the lost tribe of Dan, as opposed to the traditional view of their descent being from the Queen of Sheba and King Solomon. They have a tradition of being connected to Jerusalem. Well, in 1977, Israeli officials decided that the law of return applied to the Beta Israel. Michael Froon says that people with Jewish roots from all walks of life are awakening to their heritage, with many seeking a way back into the fold. A growing number of individuals, as well as entire communities, are exploring what it means that their forefathers were part of the people of Israel. These include not only the Jews of Kaifeng, China, whose Sephardic ancestors traveled along the Silk Road and the B'nai Manasseh of northeastern India, but it also includes the hidden Jews of Poland from the time of the Holocaust. The largest group of the Lost Tribes is called in Hebrew the B'nai Anusim, Anusim being a Hebrew word meaning forced ones whom historians refer to by the derogatory name Moranos, from a Spanish word for pig. The ancestors of the Anusim were Spanish and Portuguese Jews who were forced to convert to Catholicism during the Middle Ages. And scholars estimate their numbers worldwide potentially to be in the tens of millions, and they are awakening to their Hebrew roots. God, even God, is calling many of them home. So we need to prayerfully watch this space. Israel indeed is a miracle of preservation. In Isaiah chapter 41, God says, But thou, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I've chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend, thou whom I have taken hold of from the ends of the earth and called from the corners of the earth, and said unto you, You are my servant. I have chosen you, and I have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with thee. Do not be dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, I will help thee, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing and they shall strive with thee no longer, but perish. These are powerful, powerful promises from the Almighty. Jeremiah 31.10 is also a living word to the nations because it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you nations, and proclaim it in the distant coastlands, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather and keep him, and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. This is now established fact. After the Holocaust, only God can be protecting the beleaguered Jews, especially in the atmosphere of such a dangerous neighborhood as the Mideast. All churches simply must acknowledge the greatness of God and the miracle He has wrought for the Jewish people in the face of unspeakable hostilities. But R.T. Kendall, who pastored Westminster Chapel in England for 25 years, recently said that Jesus gave us the parable of the ten virgins to show that the church would be spiritually asleep in the very last days. Sadly, he said, I can't think of a more apt description of the church today. 
while Israel is on the verge of receiving the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the greatest end-time revival, the church, for the most part, is sleeping and missing out on the joy of these momentous days. Despite it all, the Holy Spirit is still striving with the nations, and it's no coincidence that the fullness of the Gentiles is materializing in the Bride of Messiah. More Muslims have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus in the past 25 years than in the entire history of Christian missions to Islam. The move of the Holy Spirit throughout the Islamic world is one of the signs that Jesus is coming soon and that the times of the Gentiles are winding up. While sadly apostasy is growing in Western churches, it's a different story in Africa, Asia, and oppressive regimes such as Iran. The Mohabbat Iranian Christian News Agency reported that Christianity has been growing at an exponential rate in the last couple of decades in Iran, causing the Islamic government a great deal of concern. In China, it's estimated that there are more disciples of Jesus than members of the Communist Party. Our ministry has experienced tremendous spiritual warfare in the great nation of India, and it's because the powers of darkness are running scared of Indians being set free to embrace Jesus as Lord. Do you know that it's estimated that across the globe followers of Jesus are increasing by tens of thousands every day? I often cry, Maranatha, Jesus come quickly, yet every day his return is delayed. The Lord's bride becomes a fuller-figured bride, meaning that the bride is enlarging as more Gentiles are being saved each day and added to the church. Each day the Lord's return is delayed. From year to year, I also watch Zechariah 8.19, a verse that prophesies that the morning days and the fast days of Israel will be completely transformed from dreariness to joy. That verse says the fast of the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will become happy festivals for Judah. That's why I feel led of the Holy Spirit every year on the ninth of Av on the Hebrew calendar to be in Israel to pray and to observe that day of mourning over the destruction of the two temples, morphing into a festival of joy. It's my prayer to the Heavenly Father that the church humbles itself and repents of its blindness and repents of past and present atrocities of unbelief against God and Israel. My prayer is, Lord, help the remnant church to wake up and be empowered as watchmen on the walls. Lord, we believe that you're restoring Israel at this time. Therefore, according to the words of Psalm 106, verses 4 to 5, remember us when you show favor to your people, that we may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that we may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. Amen. Well, I've run out of time, but we can stay in touch on social media or at our website at exploits.tv. We also send out a free weekly news email, and you can sign up to receive that in our free color magazine, Exploits, at our website. A reminder also that our Jerusalem Channel app is available free to download from your app store. 
And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Keep looking up. Shalom.